Coming up, Matt talks about the end of rodeo. I talk about something else. Answering your questions, we have some really interesting ones. We take you to the French countryside with two wheels. Episode 74 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! This is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to www.patreon.com slash BLFS and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-l-f-s and show us how much you love us because we are here to make you a better sports photographer off to news matt cohen news here at news both ryu and i will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month and we talk about ourselves because we're egomaniacs. Good and bad shoot. Go ahead. Do you, I need to actually like think about it a bit. Okay. So for me, this last month was pretty hectic. It was the end of my rodeo season and the beginning of football and hockey. I don't know. So I had a lot of stuff that I had to finish up from rodeo while I was shooting other stuff, which I try to avoid, but this is the month where it happens. Something kind of interesting happened I'm shooting a lot more hockey this year than I have in the past, and it's kind of coming under more scrutiny. I don't want to say that in the past I've half-assed hockey, but I can definitely say that I don't attack hockey with the same, uh, I don't know, vigor or seriousness or whatever as I do rodeo because I make most of my money in rodeo. This year has been a little bit different. I've been getting edited a lot closer than I have in the past. Like usually I would just send in my pictures and that was that. But this year, I don't know what the exact reasoning is behind it, but I'm definitely getting more notes on what I'm shooting. From who? And or, from from the editors. From the agency editor? Yeah. Okay. And that's never happened to me before. Like I, up until now, it's always been, you know, the, the pictures are good enough and we'll just take them and do whatever. But I think there's kind of more pressure on everyone for more sales or whatever. And I don't really think about that stuff, but I'm happy to listen to, you know, what, what people are doing and what people are looking for. And it turns out that this guy's a really good editor and the stuff that he's saying actually makes a whole lot of sense. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, maybe a more artistic picture not working because there's too much clutter going on and you're not going to put that in a magazine if you're trying to tell the story of a player and you don't want to see a whole bunch of extra sticks or something like that. So it's really a different way of thinking for me and ordinarily I would kick back against something like that, but he's made some really good points. So I've been kind of going back and looking at my rodeo pictures with the same kind of eye that he was using on mine. And it's been kind of eye-opening, and it's definitely going to change some of the things I do a little bit. Not not completely. Like, I'm not changing everything to 
go by advice that was made to make more sales. But he, when, when anybody else looks at your pictures and is critical of them, they're seeing things that you didn't think about. You thought about making the picture. They're thinking about how the picture makes them feel or react or if somebody's going to buy it. It was definitely valuable. Like it's, it's really valuable to have somebody else who knows what they're talking about look at your pictures. It's really important. Circling back to what we do here, that is what we do here. So I just wanted to say that we're not above people editing us. We're not above taking criticism from other people. And we haven't really seen it all that much recently, but we used to see people kicking back against our opinions all the time. Like, oh, what do you know? Well, you know, a lot of experience doing this um, with a lot on the line. So that was, that was important to me because like I said, I don't really get edited all that much by anybody. My clients in rodeo just take my pictures and do whatever with them. And I'm my own harshest editor until, until this time. So that was good. Other than that, just shooting a bunch of hockey, trying to get, uh, as good as, as good as I possibly can at doing that and taking it, like I said, way more seriously, I'll probably shoot 25 games this year. That's been my month. So like October, I got back into shooting football and there's nothing really news there. <laughs> it just isn't because it's like, you know, any other month and like it's the first time I shot like uh, actual, you know, football after the World Cup. God, like I wish there was something interesting to talk about. Matt helped out and other people have actually helped out. Um, I'm, you know, moseying on with uh, my World Cup book. We've got the illustrations done and the poems are almost done as well. But the selecting of the picture thing is uh, a really interesting process. And Matt said that uh, you're your best critic, but it kind of gets to a point that if you're looking at the same picture over and over and over and over, and you just get to a point you're so sick of looking at it. I really cannot go back and look at my 2014 book because it just I've seen I've seen the picture so many times it just makes me like really sick like I just like I don't want to just put it away. But I did actually find that it's really interesting to like look like um listen to what other people have to say. Um my wife is quite good because she doesn't know sports that much so she has kind of a bit of like her perspective like how things that she likes and that actually is quite good kind of um kind of like a litmus test for me just like say okay like this picture that i've shot i feel something about it like I have a bit of a personal thing do you kind of elevate it within yourself you cannot look at it objectively and i show it to my wife and my wife says like man this is crap and i was like wait wait wait, wait hold, on, hold on no like seriously like i mean just look at it and like it's one of those things that, like you have at that moment you look at it and thinking oh yeah well it's not that good He's like, okay, you know, I see what I mean. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I totally do. And it's sometimes very, very difficult to like cut that personal kind of attachment to your picture because you might have had a relationship with the person that you actually took a picture or something incredible just ha- happened and you want to kind of justify it. But as much as I tell you guys to kind of be mm, not object, like kind of objective in a way you select your own best pictures because it should be, no, the, the the way it actually is judged, it should be just based on the quality of the image and not by like, you know, something that, that's attached to it that we cannot see. That's been quite difficult and like we had a lot of people help me out on it. So like that's actually going quite smoothly. I've not had a bad shoot 
But like I've had a, a oh yeah I've had a match that was um, the first match I saw was Manu against someone in Old Trafford and that was zero zero, and then I went the next day to Paris against Bedstar Belgrade, and it was six one. Funnily enough, I think I had better photos from zero zero than I did from six one, and it kind of I always kind of thought I always gonna think that like okay if there's a goal, there's more opportunity for there's more opportunity for celebration there's more opportunity for defeat i mean what what's the worst case scenario is zero zero but in this case it has proven to me that i've actually shot better in a zero zero match than i shot in a six one match so when you feel like you've kind of figured these things out it kind of throws you another thing so um yeah never stop trying and never stop like asking other people how great your photo is because they'll tell <laughs> you it's a piece of shit and you have to kind of like just have to take a step back, you know. It's it's very important because you're not the one who's buying the pictures. There are other people who are buying pictures or wanting to use it for something. And it's very important that you actually get a perspective of two. Like if you have two or three people in your life that you trust, that have kind of good judgment, good taste, more like like a good taste. It's very very good. It they will basically give you a bit more of another perspective on your picture that you might absolutely love it. Or you might absolutely hate it, but you have to accept it because that's kind of like you know how this world works. Not everyone's gonna love your photo. Yeah, it, it's also it's important to you know to to separate what we're saying. It's not just ask anyone. No, my wife, no, no, no. my wife, you know, my wife graduated from art school, so she has you know the the visual aesthetic. You know, she can tell good from bad. We're not saying opinion shop. You know, if your next door neighbor doesn't like your picture, that doesn't mean go to the guy across the street and ask him if he likes it. No, no, you no. know, we're talking about people who they don't have to be professional photographers or professional photo editors, but they do have to understand, you know, the difference between the design of a Porsche and the design of an old Volvo or something. You know, like they need to understand at least the basics of aesthetics and they need to be able to understand what you were trying to do. But what Ryu was saying about, you know, being objective and not letting the content of the picture decide whether it's a good or bad picture, everything has to be right there, right? At the end of the day, you're a photographer, your final product is a photograph, and nothing matters other than what's in that photograph. You know, people can say, oh, that was important, or that was historic, or something like that. But at some point, a photographer or an editor is going to be looking at it, and they're their opinion is what's going to count, you know, yeah. whether it's a good picture or a bad picture. Because I'm doing exactly that right now because I need to send a company, like a portfolio of like the bouldering stuff that I've actually done. And uh, my wife's helping me out right now. And it's, um, yeah, it's quite trying, you know, like because she, I say like, I like this one. She said, I don't like it. And she's like, why? I would ask her, you know, why don't you like it? And she would tell me like that. And I start to think about it. I say, okay, you know what? You're right. It's not as good as I thought it was. Okay. Um, that wraps up the uh, the news portion of our wonderful programming, and uh, we will see you in a second, not minutes. We give you an assignment, and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off, and show us that you've been an attentive. Soon or a bad one. This is Assignment Desk. Last month, we gave you an assignment, which we obviously did, and we asked you about colors. 
So we kind of want you to like really play with colors and like make color the kind of dominant theme of your sports photograph. As suspected, because I always think that if we give assignments, people don't do them for some reason. Some people do, which I really, really appreciate. And it depends on like the subject. Like I think if it's an easy thing to do, people kind of get into it and they do a lot of it. If it's quite like difficult, they don't. So I guess it was a difficult one. So this is really annoying. Easy yeah, one, is, you know. This is you're not going to get any better just hiding from us, really. <laughs> the the people like there's a reason that people come to my workshops. There's a reason that people participate in training ground. There's a reason that people pay us to do critical beat down on them, because you will learn more if it's your picture that's getting torn apart. Right? You can take something for sure. People watch my videos all the time and they tell me, oh, I learned so much from watching this. Yeah, that's great. You will learn more if it's your picture that's in it. We're picking these. These aren't things that necessarily we would prefer that you work on over everything else. These are ones where we're already compromising by saying we're going to pick things that are not super hard to do just so that we can get more entries in this and to do something color. Every single picture has color in it. You know, to, to do this contest, all you had to do was just look for some brighter colors or more contrast or something like that. And to only get three, it's pretty disappointing, I definitely have to say. This really isn't a um, assignment that's, that's any difficult, you know, like, man, like there's it's so not many even, things It's not even working color, on a technique. You, know? you don't need any special gear for it. This is just to develop... No your eye and your decision making and your composition and i don't know we might have to do this one again yeah i think we have to because i think i think it's a really really good one as well because i think it's so important to really use color to express like you know to have a very nice sports photograph like like you know like two colors or one color like it usually is that because if you have too many colors and it's just normal photo it's uh yeah one or two colors it, and it really it really gives a bit of a punch to the photo itself and i, I think it always looks really really great and it, it is a bit sad that you guys didn't do it we had something ready for i don't know should we do this something new or no no we should do this again, do this again. I, oh yeah. yeah because i think it's quite a fun one as well you know like there's be. so many colors in different sports and backgrounds and all these things and but for three people who did them which is reed and jim and alvaro thank you very much i really 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 appreciate it i like alvaro's a lot yeah i, I it's great i, I like, like this i don't know where he got that color like the background yeah. but it's fantastic yeah, it's hard to say. It doesn't look like it's the sky. Could it be like a truck or something or a sign? Could be yeah. because there's a white in there as well, right? Yeah. In the lower left. Yeah. So it must be a truck or something yeah. for the team. But man, it's exactly, it's it's really, you know, it, it catches your eye. And that's what you kind of really want. Like, oh, like, look at that. Yeah, because it's all and, like the same. There's like a cast. There's like a cast over the whole picture. So everything kind of goes yeah. towards that, you know, that aquamarine kind of um i don't know is that what that is i don't even know what that color is called it's like a pale blue with a little bit of green in it um it's like it's like a blue teal yeah <laughs> no but it's, not, i like the color as well yeah no but it's not i it's like i like nice how color. you know the the it's not like this crazy contrasty you know uh rainbow of colors or whatever it's all working you know kind of with the same and so it accentuates the differences between the lens 
and the the frame of his sunglasses in the background and the the fabric on his arm and then the fabric on the knuckles yeah it's all it's all good i that that mm. white part by his knuckles really bothers me but there doesn't really appear to be anything that he could have done about that but i also kind of like i i'm gonna nitpick now because it's this is all about nitpicking if there's no nitpick then why bother um just for me like as a glance i have to kind of like guess like what 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 sport it is this is kind of like part of what we were thinking about doing for a masterclass, but we'll leave it for next month. But yeah, like I think it's important that when you actually look at it, like you could. That's too much nitpicking for this. Uh, no, because this is a this is like a form. Like th- when they're riding, you know, and and their arms are on those support things, and their head is down, and then they're wearing tight spandex. That that gives me enough. I don't, I didn't need to guess on this. But then he would be wearing, uh, yeah, I guess like, I don't know if he's like riding like for training or, but yeah, to me, like that was just that one thing that I saw that I wanted a bit more of it. Honestly, this is a level that we're looking for because the other two, like, yeah, Reed, let, let's, yeah, just, let's get into those yeah. specifically. Let, let's, let's talk about Jim's first because Jim's is closer, um, than Reed's is. I get it, right? <laughs> and when I see a sky like this, I'm making pictures with that in the background also. But this wasn't the place to be for it because there's no light falling and you don't have a silhouette, right? You're asking the viewer to do way too much work. And the only thing that they're going to notice in this is the sky because there isn't, there's no separation between the bull and the rider. There's no separation between the bull and the rider and the trees behind it and not very much separation between the bull and the dirt. So this just wasn't the time for this. Like it's it's not bad. It's not a throwaway or anything like that. It's just people who are looking at this, mm. people who know what they're talking about are going to say, yeah, that's a cool sky, but you should have used that better than this. You know, if this was just an all bull riding event, then yeah, you're probably screwed. You know, maybe go into the stands or figure out a way that you can use the stadium lights to you know, to illuminate something in the foreground and then have the sky in the background. But we're seeing way too many people thinking of silhouettes as whatever in the foreground and then something cool light or whatever in the background. That's not what it is. A silhouette, you have to have that separation, the definition between what you're shooting and the background. And if you can't get into an angle, you know, like if you were shooting from the dirt, which is obviously unsafe in this situation, and you were shooting up with a wide angle lens and you had the bull and the rider and, and then that sky in the background, then yes, you have an incredible picture. But due to safety concerns and whatever, you can't do it, certainly not from here, because you're shooting you know, just straight out across and everything is getting swallowed up by the background. You need to find that separation when you're doing silhouettes and it doesn't matter how awesome the background is. It doesn't matter how awesome the athletic thing that's going on is if you can't see it and we can't see it here and it's a shame because like yeah i understand like it's that perfect opportunity and you have to like realize like because like for instance when i saw this like i only i thought it was like a kangaroo or something you know because i couldn't really see the four the four the, the the you know whatever the the legs that are in the front i can only see the ones in the back and the guy rodeo kangaroo type of thing 
me, I'm looking at it that way. I can't imagine like what other people would actually say because like, yeah, like Matt said, like you have to like work really hard to understand what the hell's going on here. And that's just a no, no. Can you do something? Yeah. I mean, like the whole point is that it's a matter of angle. So if you've got something like that in the background, um and i don't know how far the the red and the blue thing actually stretches over like as you kind of like move your lens upward but i think you can do a lot more so it doesn't really it probably didn't really have to be like the guy riding the the animal it could have just been another moment where you could actually use a silhouette as well because you know there's different ways that you can actually do a silhouette it doesn't necessarily have to be a guy riding the animal you know could be something else. it could have been it could have been before he left you know yeah, like if, if you were on the back of the shoots already then you just get lower shoot his hat sticking up above the shoot against the background simple, and simple. yeah then you have it so yeah um and moving on to reed's thing yeah this is just i like the color no, this, this is just not good but you can't <laughs> you like, can't do this right no. you can't you cannot do this the, that truck should be like when you look at this picture that truck should be a siren like a red flashing siren no right i get it i get that you know that it's like more or less the same color and it's reflecting light or whatever but no you know it's just it's not aesthetic you're you're looking at a serial number on it you're looking at the headlights it, you know and it doesn't it's not even like a a structural element to the picture it's just an add-on it's just like something that was there like accidentally it's not it's not giving you a frame it's not giving you a line it's not drawing your eye into anything that's interesting it's just it's just a piece of trash in the middle of your picture yeah and i think you probably were just quite caught up in actually getting the picture uh the colors you have to about you have to be able to hold yeah you have to be able to hold more than one thing in your head at a time like yes we are looking for color that's the purpose of all of this but you can't go all in on color and then forget about content and composition and you know all the basics of of art you know you just you you have to keep all those things in your head while you're doing it that's why this is difficult if you could just go out and make a picture of color you know you could just go and take a picture of a you know, the, those things that they use to test out white balance or whatever, you know, mm. like you don't, that's color, but is that a picture? No, it's not a picture in the same way that this is not a picture. That means we won't have a masterclass either, which is sad. Yeah. We're just, we're just uh, going to have to, you know, we're going to, we're going to run this one back out there again. And I want you, when you go out to shoot, it doesn't have to be even during the game. Like if you go there, get there early walk around, look at the, the way the stadium is set up or the way the field is set up or something. And if there are interesting trees somewhere, or if you are blessed with a sunset like Jim had or something like that, then take advantage of it. Don't try to fit what we're doing into the, the, the normal course of, of how you're shooting. Like we're, this is an assignment. You're going out there to get this. You don't need to spend the whole shoot trying to do it but you need to spend part of the shoot saying okay i know what i'm here to do but this is the assignment i want to do it and so i'm going to go around here and look for colors and look for a contrast and look for something that pops out of the frame and that is it for masterclass and assignment desk and uh we will come right back at you with whatever it is whatever
money, you get to ask them questions, and this is pledge cues. So we have plenty of questions this month. Three plus one. I mean, hey, you know what? Listen, like if you're giving us money, you might as well ask questions. And most of the time, ninety-eight percent of the time, anyone who asks question on the Flickr group page, we do not answer them because our time is limited. Unless Matt really has to say something, he does sometimes. But that's kind of like you know, I don't know. It's a bit of like a lottery thing. So if you want Matt to answer your question, like for sure, and you're paying, like you're you're paying us monthly via Patreon, like yeah, yeah, you might as well actually like, you know, ask us questions because it's free if you're paying. Well, it does cost you, but it's still free. It comes with the whole package. So ask us questions, please, because like you're kind of. Wasting it, you know, like you bought like this gym membership, and it's like you're not, you know, you're not going to go to the swimming pool because you don't want to or you don't like feel like it, but you want to go. We're not going to go to the public swimming pool, you know, like just ask us in a private one, and we'll be happy to basically answer your questions. We have three plus one, three on the uh, the thread on Flickr, uh, and one that was outside. If you came here by accident and if you want to know a little more about what's going on, please go to biglensfastshutter.com and there will be a lot of uh, information for you. If you want to, you know, ask questions to us, um, join in the, the, the forum and the forum group, uh, there are a lot of really, really, really nice people who are very, very helpful, who are very, well, they're very, very good people, you know, very quite serious people sometimes, but they're very, very helpful, you know, nice, nice people. That is, if you go to clicker.com and if you search for Big Lens Fast Shutter, you'll be able to actually find it. Uh, join in, you can then start doing training ground stuff and you can start doing assignment desk and you can start asking questions to other group members and you can post photos, look at other people's photos. It's great. It's fantastic. So, please join and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see your picture on assignment desk or training ground sometime soon. So let's get into the questions. Michael K, who is paying, is asking, I always find it interesting when either of you speak about your business models and revenue streams. I understand just how difficult and uh, competitive the increasingly uh, cons- uh, consolidated market for sports pictures can be. Just curious, does your business model extend to any other types of photography? Have you ever been tempted to broaden your scope? If so, in what areas? Yes. And I actually do other stuff as well. I don't just do sports. Yeah, because it's money. Like I, I do a lot of event photography in Berlin. Um, it's good money. It doesn't you know, require me to travel at all. The assignment is usually very easy. I make money. So why would I not want to do it? And I believe that doing other things is also quite interesting as well. Because, I, you know, like I shoot, you know, football all the time. I get bored. I shoot other sports. I shoot sports for a bit. I get bored of sports. I shoot event stuff. So I don't really mind. As long as like to me, like as long as I'm shooting, you know, I'm taking pictures, I'm happy. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not really interesting, you know, to shoot event stuff. But... I've been to football matches. Like I wish I just stayed home. <laughs> you know, like there are. I mean, I mean, I I fly all the way to whatever to Italy, and and you know, I should just shitty match, and I'm I'm wondering like, what was I here? You know, like it's just a really, really terrible, terrible match. So um, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't shoot anything other than sports. I guess rodeo kind of branches off into ranching. I guess so. I do a little bit of that, but I don't do 
events. I've done two weddings in my entire life and I didn't take money from either one of those. Yeah, I mean, I've taken, you know, other other assignments that aren't, I don't know. I shot a a thing for what's that? I forget even. What's the scooter company? Vespa. I, Vespa. I did a thing for Vespa when they were they announced like these three-wheeler kind of things. This was a while ago. And yeah, they must be. they had these really these two old guys. I guess the whole gist of it was that when you get old, you don't want to ride a motorcycle anymore, but you want to, you know, you want to still <laughs> pretend or whatever. Right. So they made these three wheel things that had like two wheels in the front and one in the back and that's that's gonna sell you know? it, it was i mean it, it was like it was ridiculous they had these guys they were driving along the lincoln highway which goes literally coast to coast but it's not even a highway anymore it's a highway 100 years ago or something and so they started in san francisco at, at the western edge of the city and they ended up at the bay or maybe on an island i think maybe they finished on treasure island or something so i had to follow them so there's somebody driving a car i'm sitting in the back seat of the car and i need to i'm shooting out the window and then when we're at stoplights i'm jumping out of the car and shooting it or whatever so that was like not strictly speaking sports um but that's like the furthest out that i've really ventured from from sports it's just i none of the rest of it interests me i don't really feel like sitting around until the light is perfect to get a landscape picture. And I don't feel like chasing animals or whatever to do wildlife. I don't like working with other people, so I don't want to do event photography and there's no way I'm doing weddings. So it's not my business model extending or whatever. It's just my, my own preferences and my own patience and being able to deal with whatever, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not tempted to broaden my scope. Like I would love to do more photojournalism kind of stuff but i'm also not trying to do it for free or what photojournalism assignments pay so i just don't do that kind of stuff anymore i just i'm lucky that i found something that i'm good at and that i can make a living doing and i don't know i'm open to whatever else but i don't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about it um as for the photojournalism thing i am planning to do a project for the next six years i hopefully like everything will just kind of come into place but it's um i've actually like not done a long-term project in a while and like i really want to do it so that i would be something that i actually would be doing in the near future but i think i don't know why not you know life's short do a lot of things see what happens um don't get too caught up on like what kind of photography it is because if you want to like work as a photographer I think it's better if you can do a lot of things, you know, and um, if you're lucky like Matt, if your bills are being paid solely from rodeo stuff, then it's great. But if it's not like me, um, yeah, I just do a lot of different things. I mean, I still like shooting sports the best, but if I have to like do other things, like I'll do it. Not like not even begrudgingly because I think it's like work is work, you know, and all the other like times that I actually have that I'm not working um, I can like then put that money into project that I've actually done. Like I've been to Japan to shoot the, the uh, football in the snow and like that kind of stuff like that. I, I can actually do that. And, but that's it, you know? So yeah, keep it, keep it open. It's gonna be fine. Um, let's see. Scott, Scott Mohawk is no Scott Stoke Hog is asking 
Matt, I see you open up your photos for purchase once a year. What is the reason for this as opposed to a continuous store on your webpage? Ooh, this is interesting. Typically, who are your clients in these yearly purchasing opportunities? Well, it's a very specific Matt Cohen question, so we go ahead. Yeah, um, this is not by choice. I don't edit all of my pictures. Right? It's just I take too many, and the editing I've offloaded to my clients, I would rather them get the pictures faster you know they know what the crop is going to be they know if they want to make a horizontal into a vertical or something like that to lay text around it so for me to say okay i'm going to edit all these pictures but not crop them is kind of dumb because they're not going to look finished anyway so i'd rather not deliver them you know halfway edited so mostly i shoot i caption everything keywords um, delete everything that's not good and then upload it to Dropbox for my clients. I'll pick out, you know, five or 10 pictures that I feel like putting on Instagram or Facebook for the day. And, and that's it. You know, when I come home from a rodeo, I might have 3000 pictures and 40 of them might be added or something like that. So it's not like, there's no good workflow for me to, to, you know, put up stuff in a store, like a lot of photographers who do Western kind of stuff, they'll just upload everything, literally every, like there, you can go on some of these photographers pages and there will be misfires of dirt, you know, like where their leg hit the vertical shutter button or something like that. And it's in their store. Like you could literally buy these pictures of dirt and they would come to you and you would not have any recourse or whatever. Like if you did it by accident, I don't want to do that. I don't want people looking at my pictures in a state of being undone. For me, it's not just the picture, it's how it's finished, right? You can make a good picture, but if you don't know how to edit it, if you don't know how to crop it, if you don't straighten it or whatever, and I'm not willing to do all this work for free. The reason um, that it's that I say that it's for free is that for me, I'm selling directly to the people who are in the pictures, right? A cowboy goes to a rodeo, does well, or it's the last ride on a certain horse or um, they cross over a career milestone or something like that. And they want a print of it. The market for rodeo prints is a joke because there are people who literally can't shoot out there selling prints and they're selling them for, you know, a whole CD worth of pictures for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or something like that. Or they're selling eight by tens, including shipping for $15 or whatever. That's beneath me, right? It's not worth my time to do that. I found that for a long time, I just wouldn't sell prints, period. But then once you start, you know, being known, everybody wants one, right? People legitimately get excited when I show up at a rodeo that I've never shot before because they get a chance to have a picture by me. I'm not, you know, this isn't, I'm not puffing myself up here. I can show you the emails and the Facebook comments of people saying this kind of stuff. So it's difficult for me to say, no, I'm just not going to sell you this picture. And no, you can't have it for free. It's very difficult for me to just say you're, you're just out of luck. I know you know that I have this great picture and you're just going to have to make do with the one that's on Facebook. That doesn't, that's not a great way to make friends. It's not a great way to grow my business. So the only way that I've really figured out how to do this is it's not once a year. It's, it's generally based on when I know I'm going to be home without you know, a whole lot of responsibility. So usually twice, maybe sometimes three times a year. This way, everybody knows this is when you order. 
this way I know I'm going to be sitting at my desk for three weeks, you know, just sitting there editing and putting up galleries and taking people's payments and sending things off to the printer or whatever. Long story short, I don't do this more because it's not a good business. You know, my eight by tens are $35. To me, that's insulting, right? My pictures are worth more than that, but that's the outside limit of what I can sell them at. And I miss a lot of sales because they're not $25 or $30. So anyway, I just don't like doing it. So I don't do it other than to give people opportunities to get pictures of themselves. That's, that's literally it. My, my business is 97% my corporate clients. And the, like I said, the workflow is just easier. I just upload the pictures and then they lay them out into ads or social media or whatever. And they go with them. If I'm going to edit, I want to make more money and I can't make more money selling prints. So I just don't do it very much. Kevin is asking, how does one grow their social media following? Matt seems to be king here. He is. So you will answer that question and I'm going to keep on looking at uh, websites. If, but if I'm the king, you can't tell me what I'm going to do. What do you mean? I'm the king. The king doesn't take orders from people who aren't the king. You just ordered me to answer yeah, the question. To, yeah, but like, right. he's asking you a question. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that it's hard, right? My social media, social media following is not one thing. I've found that social media is very, very specific to each individual platform. What works on Instagram does not work on Twitter. What works on Facebook might not work on Instagram. It's the weirdest thing. There are people who know me from Instagram, who follow me religiously on Instagram, who don't know how much of an asshole I am because it's just pictures right oh jesus so i just post pictures and they're like wow dude, he's awesome i love him and then every once in a while they'll see like a random facebook post or something and be like oh my god i can't believe how much of an asshole he is it's not all the same thing right my facebook following came from uh, you know i i decided very early on that the only way that i was going to be able to make it in rodeo is with corporate clients so I started tagging the people in the pictures and rodeo isn't on the level of the other, you know, the major sports where, you know, if like I've been shooting hockey and I've been shooting, you know, a lot of pictures of the, of the stars and like people who've been traded or whatever in the off season. And I've been trying to use Instagram to kind of grow my following a little bit, you know, using more famous athletes than the one I, ones I get to shoot in rodeo. But the problem is that th these people aren't on social media all the time. They're not as accessible as rodeo cowboys are. A lot of them have people doing their social media for them. So it's not like getting tagged in, in a picture of mine is important to them in the same way that it is to a rodeo cowboy. So it's, it's harder to, even though Kevin, you know, gets to shoot the top NHL guys and top NBA guys or whatever, it's not quite the same, you know, being able to tag them and, and maybe get them to, to reshare something or whatever, but you should definitely do that, right? If you, if you have good pictures of them, especially ones that don't look like all the other pictures, then you should definitely tag people and, you know, try to get them to notice it and maybe share it or, you know, maybe you'll get a new fan and somebody will tell somebody else like word of mouth style. I can say that um, you can't really grow your Facebook following like they just make it way too difficult to do that instagram is weird like there was a kind of a gold rush on instagram a few years ago and 
you know, there would be days where I would get 200 new followers and that would be, not, you know, not even something that was out of the ordinary. But now it's like if I got 100 followers in a whole week, that would be a big week. And that would depend on, you know, who I was shooting and, you know, if something caught on and made it into Explore or whatever. But the thing to keep in mind about social media is that these are all properties that are owned by somebody else and they're using them for their means right they're trying to extract the most money so the deck is really stacked against you here now you know when i was growing my following especially on instagram people were flocking to instagram as quickly as possible and they were hungry to start following people but you know like now see people are following like three thousand people or something i don't even know how that works i follow like 200 people or whatever (laughs) It's very difficult to get noticed when people are following that many people. And since Instagram switched over to the, um, you know, the curated algorithmic timeline or whatever, if you are following 3000 people, Instagram is going to only show you a very small percentage of those people. And most of them are going to be brands and big people who pay for sponsor posts and stuff like that. So really the only thing I can tell you, the only thing I know that works is, putting up good stuff all the time, not being annoying, not posting, you know, more than twice a day or something like that. And then tagging people in the higher profile stuff and maybe trying to, to work something out where they're, where they're sharing some of the ones. And, you know, somebody with a million followers shares one of your pictures, you're going to get a bunch of followers out of that. But other than that, it's, it's the wrong question. The, you know, the do better work and you'll get noticed sharing your picture and that someone being very famous has got like you know over a million followers it doesn't really change that much well it, because i had it done it, that's and that's the only but that's the only way though you know like there there, yes. there it, it's not great and it used to be a big deal like it used to be like for a really long time like the biggest i don't even know what it is now but the biggest person in rodeo had i think 150,000 followers I have like 70 something now and it used to be, I don't know when, when whoever was at uh, 150 and I was at 15 or something like that, I would, I, it would be nothing for me to get 400 followers right away. That definitely doesn't happen. Even if the person does have a million again, because mm. not all, not all of that million people are seeing it. And a lot of the people who are seeing it are already following too many people and maybe they don't like, you know, you know, following a whole bunch of new people, or maybe they don't like the picture that was shared. So yeah, there's not, um, there isn't that, it's just not as easy as it was a few years ago. And I, you know, I'm lucky, right? Like if I started and and I did, I started a new business this year and we just hit 10,000, you know, after a whole year of trying, we just hit 10,000 followers on, on the other social medias, on, on the other, uh, Instagram, you know, it's, it, it, it's challenging. It's not the same as it was. It's way more crowded. It's not the same kind of land grab situation that it was two years ago or whatever. But again, that's why, you know, there, there's no tricks to any of it. there's no business tricks. There's no social media tricks. There's no tricks, right? You need to be as good as you possibly can be at this and just put the pictures out there. And you know, that that's about the best you can do. And for Kevin, I mean, he's already shooting at a high level. He's already shooting high profile events. I know it sucks to look at your numbers and to look at other people's numbers who aren't good or whatever. Like there are, oh God. there are accounts, there are rodeo accounts oh that, are, that are just um, not even photographers, you know, just like people who have, you know, they curate 
these accounts or whatever and there's one that just has like people getting bucked off of horses or whatever or and bulls and they have like 170,000 and it's crap you know it's like just complete dog shit pictures but that's all this girl does all day is sit around and post um, buck off pictures and you know she ends up with a with an account that has uh, 175,000 possibly some of them real followers um you know that that's how it goes but what she's not going to be able to do and what other people aren't going to be able to do is make a name for themselves by constantly posting amazing pictures over and over again that's that's the only way and and you know to another you know you know just to to sum all this up the the social media following is important for like reputation and you know some kind of heft behind your name like oh yes i have all these followers like it doesn't hurt when i go uh, to to pitch a client and i say you know along with this comes i'm going to be posting more of your guys in my pictures and i have 70 something thousand instagram followers that i can sell based on that no doubt about it but the problem is that those numbers that the big numbers themselves aren't the thing that's getting you other gigs right the the people who are looking at your pictures aren't the ones who are buying them you're marketing to a very small number of people who will be more impressed by the quality of your pictures than the numbers and the numbers you need to kind of let go a little bit so for the last question for pledge cues this is alvaro campo who is asking i posted on twitter before i mentioned on blf blfs but i wanted to know your opinion in this matter so basically, like this video that Alvaro posts is that um, there is a guy finishing a, a bicycle race and he stops and a trainer comes on to him trying to help him off the bike and he's very emotional and everything. Um, there's a, I think officials also kind of surround them. I think just kind of like, you know, make sure that he doesn't die or whatever and just make sure he gets to a safe place, you know, after all this thing is going on. Photographer arrives, shoves the official and start taking pictures. And then, like, more photographers arrive. It's this whole mess, blah, blah, blah. My opinion on, in this is that I would have pushed your official as well. <laughs> um, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in there, man. I'm in there. Like, I'm not hurting anybody. Like, I'm, I don't want to, like, push him, push him. But I would kind of squeeze my into the whole thing. I will do it. I mean, I wouldn't even, bad, like, I wouldn't even hesitate. I will just go in. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. No. Matt doesn't do it. I don't. Matt's not, a, Matt's not a pusher. I just don't, I don't see the point. I don't need, I just don't need pictures in the same way that other people do, I guess. Yeah, but there's like not, you don't have that kind of moments in Rudy, do you? Like you have like. I shoot other things. No, no, like, like, like if there's like um celebration, like after like a big victory when people just goes and goes crazy celebration. I, you know, I, I, so um, right? <laughs> there, there was this guy out here who shot for the AP for a while. A long time, like years. And he was famous for pushing people out of the way. It was ridiculous. They never ran. You know, they, they would run as like a file photo like 10 years later when two guys were going into the Hall of Fame together or something like that. Like it just, these weren't newsworthy pictures. They were just like, uh, so at the end of a football, American football game, every, you know, the the teams are on the opposite sides. And then the when the game is over and, the you know, the, there's no time left on the clock, the coaches meet at in the middle like they just walk across the field until they meet and then players are shaking hands and the coaches will say nice game or whatever and they'll shake hands and they'll go in a locker room there's better pictures in the other places like people celebrating by themselves or praying or ripping their jerseys off because they're pissed or trading jerseys with someone else 
but everybody goes for the two coaches or the two star quarterbacks or something like that. And it's just so silly to me because I don't mm. feel that those pictures are important. And if there's already a scrum around them, it means a lot of other people are going to get them. So even if I do get my perfect version, even if I'm better than everybody else and I'm luckier than everybody else and I jam my 14 to 24 directly into somebody's face just after they finished or something like that, there's still going to be like five other pictures that look pretty close to it. Close enough that I'm not going to be able to get any kind of premium on the picture that I'm shooting because the other ones will be pretty close and a lot cheaper. It's just, I don't know what the point is for all of that. Like, I want the picture, right? If something crazy is happening, I want that picture. But I just don't look at it like there's any do or die picture. Like, there's, if I miss it, it's over or something like that. I just don't care enough to get into a physical confrontation, especially when somebody is official. Like, if it's another photographer and they're being a dick or something, like, I could see, like, I don't know, making a little bit more space with my elbows or standing you know, a little bit wider or something like that. I get that, but I don't really feel the need to push anybody out of the way. And I certainly don't need to interfere with somebody who like that person was an employee of the race. Accreditation is precarious enough as it is. I definitely do not want to be the one who gets set, you know, who, who pushes someone and like, what are you doing? That was our employee doing their job and you push them out of the way. That's never going to be me. Just, I just don't feel that the the payoff is worth any kind of risk like that. Everybody's there to do a job. And if you if you find yourself in a situation where there's a whole bunch of other photographers around, what are you doing? To me, that's bad. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean you're in the right place. That means you're in the wrong place. Yeah, but I think it depends on like on a situation. For instance, like for me, like when people just go, go for the scrum to actually get the, um, the picture before the match where they do the group picture, I see absolutely zero sense in doing it. Because there's nothing valuable to me taking a group picture. Oh, yeah, I don't do that at match, all. Because I don't do it Period. anymore. But, 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 I think for a very big thing, like, you know, post-World Cup victory and things like that, I'm in there. Because, like, I think there's so much value actually being in there because there will be shots that you won't be able to actually get if you sit in the sideline. Right, the choice isn't be on the sidelines still sitting on your stool. no. No, it isn't. It is. It is. It no, literally there's, is. There's, there's not one celebration, right? There's multiple things happening at the same time. But, like, if you're going to actually go and shoot Messi celebrating compared to whoever it is that no one actually knows about, there has to be a significant moment for me to actually that, like, I'm going to actually go and do that. Like, he's just absolutely breaking down. And, like, you know, there's something really special. About Are you it. doing it for sales? Or are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it because you, at, at the end of your career, you want pictures of Messi celebrating? You want pictures of Ronaldo and whoever No, else I think it's both. Or, it's absolutely both. Because I'm actually, like, I'm not going there, like, risking my life against, like, these gigantic photographers who are trying to, like, you know, basically bash my head with their camera just because I can actually get self-satisfaction saying that I got this shot. No, like, the shot has to be good. I've actually been there in this situation many a times, and I went in there, and basically I got nothing. I mean, it's a risk-reward thing. Like, you go in there, yeah, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't get it. But I always actually feel that if I if I don't go in there, I always will think, like, oh, I wish I, wish I was actually in there. It's a matter of, like, 30 seconds. You just go in there get what you, you can actually get and move up and just basically like look at what's that what else is going on and you have to go and um, shoot the other stuff. So, I mean, like I, I could totally, you know, for like every big events where there's like 
how many photographers in the World Cup final? Like 200? I mean, it's a scrum to the death in certain things, you know? So, like, you have to, like, I can only imagine, like, for the same thing for the Super Bowl as well. Though. Like, I'm assuming, like, people just go in there and going at the uh, the coaches and going at the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But I've never seen any photos that was any good between those things. Either. Like, I rarely, rarely seen it. So, but the thing is to me, like, you have to buy the lottery ticket. You know, like, you have to actually go in there and actually do it. And if you can be quite calm, like, I quite, I am usually, like, you know, as much as, like, I get, I don't like getting bashed my head with the camera, I'm quite calm as to what I'm actually doing. Like, I'm actually, like, not sticking my camera in there and just hoping to spray and pray. Like, I have a bit of a plan actually going on, going in there, you know, and see what my position is and see what I can actually get with uh, the gear that I have. I think it depends, the answer. Like, I think the Matt's approach is Matt's approach and my approach is my approach. It's uh depends on how what you really feel comfortable doing, but I think at the end of the day, if you want to like like pushing officials like the the the, the guy that the uh, that I saw in the YouTube video probably isn't a very very good thing. I think nudging like I would never push an official because if you push official like the guy did that in the video like I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this right like we're giving advice to people who haven't been there. I'm gonna say err on the side of caution. Yeah, the people who would get upset about you pushing someone would get upset about you touching someone, yeah. right? There's no, there's, they're not going to make the distinction that Ryu is making. They're just not, right? If somebody wants to make a big deal out of it, and you nudge them with your elbow, even if it was just to like let them know that you were there so that they didn't swing around wildly or something like that, that can be twisted into something that you don't want it yeah. to be twisted into. And I just. None of this is worth it, right? If you get banned from something, you're yeah. banned, right? My credential is still hanging on the wall at the Thomas and Mac, right, from five years ago. And I didn't even do anything wrong, you know? I didn't even break any rules. I got screwed. But if you touch someone, that's it. That's all they have to say. Like somebody goes to their supervisor and say, yeah, this jackass photographer wearing an official credential push me out of the way and it doesn't matter whether you you know shoved them with your full body weight or whether you just stood there and bumped into them it's not going to make any difference at all and none of this is worth it at the level that any of you listening to this are shooting unless everyone else is doing it if i'm not doing it just go into it yeah because i've seen Uh, i've been in a situation where everyone else doing it i was like i'm just gonna go in as well and no one gets hurt it's one if you're like the only few people who are doing it you're like be quiet like just you know it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna cross on a red light do it if everyone else is doing it but i wouldn't cross if i'm the only person you know what i mean you gotta be a bit smart about it to me like it's all about accessibility if i want to get certain type of angles and places that if i want that i want to get and if that's not possible but everyone else is trying to get at the same time yeah sure you know like discipline every single one of us because that won't really make any sense so this is the uh, end of pledge cues um if you're a patreon pledging person please um, contact us and go into the biglensfastshutter.com no biglensfastshutter group page and ask us questions there Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with Cross Connor. Let's do it. Matt has chosen one, I have chosen one, so which one do you want to talk about? 
the you can get this link on the on the biglensfastshutter.com page for the episode. I'm looking at a picture by Kim Ludbrook of European Photo Agency. I think that's what that is. Anyway, it is the riders and their support vehicles going over a dam in Albertville, France. I really like this picture because it's there's careful composition went into it. The you know the horizon is straight and the way that the the bridge is or the the dam is going is is pretty cool and the the actual like he didn't do this obviously but the the way the dam is constructed is just visually pleasing. Like if mm. you can fit something like this in your picture then you definitely should. But it can't be a landscape. It actually has to have something going on. If this had been like one or two bikes or something going over it, it wouldn't have been good. The more bikes, the better, so that it's more obvious that it's a sports picture. Um, I think this has enough bikes, and then you can see that the the support cars are there. So I like this one. I you know it's just like a not a picture that would go on the front page of a paper or something. You know it's a good detail picture. It's it's good that it wasn't just a regular sports action kind of thing. These things, like you have to be quite careful in a way that uh, it has to be big enough the picture because otherwise you can't really see the riders. Case in point is in the the one below. Um, it's like they're going up a mountain. Like it's I couldn't even see the riders. <laughs> they're too small, and that's a no no. I uh, Matt and I just like talked about it really briefly before we started recording this portion of whether or not this is actually shot from a drone or a helicopter or a mountain i think it's probably the mountain the the you can see in the lower right that's really close so this is somebody standing on a on the edge here this picture is the winding road right so you need to figure out how to make the winding road the story of the picture you don't need the mountain behind it you don't need the sky you don't need all the rocks yeah it's the road so you need a basic bigger magnification on your lens just like put a lot of extenders on them Uh, i had a really funny story about ex- extenders but remind me next time it's a really be interesting one anyway my choice was the one that has the, the direct light which is uh, shot by Marco Bartarello from uh, African photo pictures <laughs> <laughs> are you doing that because I screwed up the EPA one yes because I thought okay. it was like English photo agency <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Okay, AFP does not stand for African whatever. African photo pictures. No. Yeah, it's good because it's got like light on one side. Like it's like one of those situations when there's really, really hard light and you're thinking like, what can I do? And this is what you do because it looks really, really like that dark bit and the light bit when it's combined very nicely has a very, very good, just, just looks very, very clean and slick. And I really, really love it. When you're shooting across the light like this, this is a gift, right? So when you're shooting where the light that is illuminating your subject isn't illuminating your background, you should be taking advantage of every chance that you can get because it just doesn't happen like this. So either something was blocking the the way the light was going or just the elevation was was weird. Usually when you're shooting something, the light that's illuminating your subject is also illuminating the background, which makes separation really difficult. It makes doing something like this impossible because the exposure is basically the same all the way using the highlights on this and underexposing for the background makes this makes this picture work this picture is not going to win any kind of award or anything like that it's just it looks different like scroll up and down it looks different and better than all of the other pictures on here and 
it's weird because this guy has many pictures on this page that look more or less like camera phone pictures. And then there's this one. So I don't know, you know, he was maybe not giving it his best for the whole time or something, but this is definitely better than the other one. Yeah. So you can actually like, if you have a time to like look at all the images on this is basically shit. It's interesting. And we just consume this shit every day. So there you go. Please don't think just because somebody works for the African photo pictures or getting or especially images, if, that, if that's who they work they for, do, <laughs> that they are automatically good. Okay. There are plenty of photography works for agencies who are terrible at their job. There, there are 15 pictures in here that are legitimately terrible pictures, right? Not even like, oh, it's just not original or something like that. There are 15 pictures on this page that suck as photographs, straight up. There you go. This is it for Big Lens Fast Shutter. If you want more info on Big Lens Fast Shutter, please go to BigLensFastShutter.com. And with that, we end the 74th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs. I'm a wonderful producer, extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that too and sus- subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please donate it to us at patreon.com slash blfs and that is p-h-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs ten dollars or more and we will love you forever. Then recap patreon.com Facebook website. Rinse, repeat. Love us more. See you next month.